Hey sisters, in this episode, I am going to talk about a little bit of my teenage exposure to alcohol and some interesting information that I have discovered now, looking back, of how drinking early actually affects us into adulthood. So check it out. I remember being a teenager and really interested in trying things. I cannot remember exactly the age, but I remember trying cigarettes pretty young. So the reason why I just thought of sharing this part is because of the feeling I expected. And I think that's the thing is that when we go to substances and different things, it's all about like, what are we expecting to experience or what, what are we looking to create or run away from? But good grief, I was a teenager, right? I just thought, this is cool. It was the cool thing to do. And let's try it. So I remember I was in sixth grade when I tried my first cigarette. I rode home from the bus with April and we stood behind the dumpster near her neighborhood. <laughs> this is all I remember, just clips of this. And I remember us smoking a cigarette and seeing who could smoke it the coolest, like who looked the coolest, like that was the competition. And I won. It was us and like two other girls. I won. So how cool was that? So that's just a funny part of the what popped in my brain. Alcohol exposure happened several times throughout my teen years. Um, there was a time where I was introduced to a liquor drink in like a little uh, back backwoods bar. I got in with a family member and it was innocent. We were shooting pool. She had the drink and I remember like just begging, please let me taste it, please let me taste it. And it was Jack and Coke, Jack Daniels and Coke. And it was the most disgusting thing I had ever tasted. Then there were times being around older friends, I was exposed to older relationships when I was in my teens. I was about 15, 16 when I started working in a restaurant and I began to hang out with some of the older 20 somethings that worked there. So of course they were of age and that's when some of the extra exposure just happened. Um, Boone's Farm, I remember, different types of liquor. There was just different opportunities for me to try different things. And I remember the main thing was I felt relaxed. It made me feel like I could just sort of be myself because as a teenager, we're still figuring things out. I was super self-conscious. I was insecure. I really just had, I was really good at faking it, right? I was really good at like putting on this, this shell of the tough girl. I don't know if you know anything about personality tests, but I am, what is it? The red, I don't know. There's all these different tests. The Enneagram is an eight, okay? If you know anything about the Enneagram, I know just the basics of kind of like the just the the layers of personality honestly i think i've mentioned this before and i really love this this teacher it's your enneagram coach on instagram and i like it because she teaches the 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 layers of personalities as they're related to how christ made us and kind of how we're wired and and really what i've learned the most is like it's sort of been a light bulb. Okay, here I am. Here's this wiring. I'm growing up as a teenager. I'm not being exposed to the things that I know now, the 
you know, capturing my thoughts and the deeper relationship with the Lord and really understanding like why I was feeling anxious, why I was feeling insecure, because all this stuff comes later in life, right, as adults. So now I know, though, looking back that I'm, I am, still am, and I work on this daily, like I don't like to be vulnerable. You know, believe it or not, here I am sharing this on a podcast for the whole world to hear. But this is something I have worked toward. And I realize that my vulnerability here is designed to serve and help you and to help anyone who listens. But in general, I'm not. I put up a very strong wall. I have like an armor. I'm super independent, strong-willed. But I also have this nature to want to control things, okay? So when I look back now, I'm like... What I saw was probably a lot of like anxiousness in my mind. I wanted to control the outcome, you know, how I felt in my clothes. I just remember like, you know, uh, I still struggle with this, you know, feeling a little bit insecure in my pants. If there's like a little bit of what I would call a fat roll hanging over the edge or this boy that I liked, you know, getting the attention. So all I know is that we struggle, all of us do, and our teenagers struggle with a whole new level of things now that we didn't have then but we're the same when it comes to being a human and going through all the adolescence years and things like that so what I can tell you is that whatever it was the fact that I was exposed to it early it gave me that hit of oh okay I can relax Michelle's cool she fits in You know, I'm not so like edgy and nervous and self-conscious. So there were several different times that that would happen. And what I can tell you was all the occasions, other than that little taste, because there, I was with a family member who was very loving and very kind. I didn't drink. I just tasted it. And my point there is just like alcohol's gross. (laughs) We don't, I mean... If you have actually like drank a drink before and been like, oh my gosh, that's so delicious. Like it must have been completely diluted with sugar and all the fancy stuff, right? Because that's the only way to stomach it. Like real pure like alcohol and these liquor drinks, they're disgusting. But at the time too, I was all about like, I don't care. I'll just, you know, deal with it when I got to the place where we were hanging out with friends and... I really just like the way it made me feel, okay? So I just want to touch on that a little bit because what, I'm, what I've am what i learned since doing some research is after looking up this article, let me pull it up on my phone. <clears throat> so the Dana Foundation back in 2015, they had some research and some science. And there's a lot of stuff in there about how the brain works and all the, the growth and the things that's so important as we're growing up um, throughout our youth. But what I thought was interesting that I didn't know is that adolescents actually respond to alcohol differently from adults. They are most sensitive to the alcohol's rewarding effects. Okay, that's what I was just sharing. And its effects on cognitive functions such as memory. Okay, so as a teen, very susceptible to like the reward, the dopamine, that fresh hit, that energy, that's the feel-good stuff. And it affects the memory, so you get really dumb. And But here's what we don't experience as teens. They're less uh, sensitive to the sedative effects, which are normally the signal that tells you to stop. 
and that's when adults know to stop. So you know what was fascinating with that is that I do remember looking back and having some friends that drank some, but any time I ever was exposed, especially in a private setting, I just didn't stop. I got to a place where either I would black out or throw up. And that's what the article talked about too, that that's why a lot of teens and college students, they get to the blacking out point because they don't have that, that signal that tells them ahead of time. Why am I talking about this? Why is this important? It's important because some of you may have teenagers. And it's important that I had looked back after this journey and started kind of assessing like little signals and things throughout my life because I didn't get to where I was drinking on a daily basis and drinking that amount on a daily basis just because I started in my 40s drinking or in my 30s drinking. There's plenty of people who go through their whole life Maybe they, on their 21st birthday, are like, woohoo, let's drink, and then never drink again. And there's some that do that, and then they drink some in their 20s, some in their 30s. But what I wanted to share with you is that that early stages of exposure of alcohol is what I believe was a huge part of starting the slow fade and starting the process. I don't know if you've heard the story about the, the bee in the plant, It's referenced in Alan Carr's book and also The Naked Mind by Annie Grace. And side note, we will be diving into that book because there is such good stuff. I'm going to be teaching a little bit more about this exposure process, what happens in the slow fade. But like anything, the earlier we're exposed, the longer we're exposed, the deeper we get. Clearly, we can both agree on this. There's another study done by Penn State University that measured college binge drinking habits of students whose parents had allowed them to drink in high school. The findings demonstrate that teens who drink in high school have a significantly higher risk of binging in college. The study also confirms how much influence parental behavior has on teenagers and children. I know for a fact that if I had continued down this road of this continuous exposure, that there could be a big possibility that my kids would be more exposed in the future. They would get out, have the opportunity to have some wine, and they would visualize, oh, well, I just grew up. My mom drank all the time. Like, she drank wine at home with dinner. We drank, she drank when we cooked out. She would go out with her friends. She was in wine club. That was just part of the culture. If I hadn't come to a place where I I recognized that it wasn't serving me, that this was not the life I wanted to live, they could have easily gone down that road. Now, I would say that there's still that opportunity, right? I have no control on what my children are going to do one day, but I can tell you that I've had some really good conversations with them. We've had some heart-to-heart, like I've said before, My daughter, my teenager, and I have the best relationship now. I am so blessed how close we are. We have so much fun. We goof off and Snapchat, and we're silly, and 
we just stay really connected and we share. And that has been one of the biggest blessings out of all I've talked about before that it's just so awesome to be connected to a teenager because they're already they're already kind of weird anyway and disconnecting and it's nice to have that. But I know that even if they do choose that path, they'll never forget what mom did. <laughs> they'll never forget this podcast. They'll never forget this group she's created and how I'm going to continue to serve and who knows where it's going to go from here. The, you know, the opportunities I get to speak or lead groups, they will remember that when they make that choice. And it may just be something that they choose not to do or they do and go, you know, this just isn't for me. How can you take this information and run with it? Because you're not a teenager anymore. I'm pretty sure no teenagers are listening. I'm guessing there's probably some women in their 20s. More than likely, most of my listeners are probably late 30s, early 40s, 50s, 60s, even on up, because I have really connected with a lot of beautiful, amazing women that have, you know, they're on up in their 50s and 60s, and it's great. But why does this matter, and why do I share it with you? So I went in my daughter's room earlier. She's hanging out with her boyfriend, and neither one of them drink and have not. And I just asked him, I was like, you know, I know you've shared with me before that you have you have friends that you know that drink. You've shared with me that you've seen Snapchats. You have heard about it. You know, like, what can I talk about on my podcast today if there's a mom listening that has teenagers that live, live with her or that her children or that she has influence over? You know, maybe she's leading a youth group at church or coaching some program, like, how can she, how can we be warned or how, what are the signals, right? Because I knew that I had some ideas, but if they had some, it'd be better. And her boyfriend was saying, hey, they just act radical. I said, you mean like, like just crazy? And he's like, yeah, they're just like, they just act obnoxious and radical and act out. And I think that's more in the friend group. I don't think that they're showing this. If you're a mom and you've got teenagers, I don't. this is where they're not showing this to you. And not once did I come home drunk or drinking. Because if I had of, there would have probably been some serious consequences and we would have had to deal with things like that. So, you know, what is it? If you're... If your teenager is going over someone else's house and spending a lot of time, are they going to the same house? Do these groups of friends go to the same person's house over and over and over? Do you know these parents? Do you know if they have a bar in their house? Do you know if they're they're modeling this behavior in front of the kids? Is the bar locked? Do they let them drink? What about fake IDs? My daughter and her boyfriend mentioned that. You know, hey, we got some, we know some people that have fake IDs. We've actually heard of our friends, not necessarily their friend group, because we want our children to hang with other children that are on the same path, right? We know there's going to be some influences, but it's just like the adult process. You know, you are the five people that you spend the most of your time with. I share that with my children too. But she knows the people who have dressed up and to look older just to be able to buy it without an ID. So they're, whether they're putting on an old lady wig and an old lady dress from the Goodwill or 
you know, the masks these days. I don't know how that's working. Are they going able to shop with masks on? And then are you looking at their Snapchats and their social media? Yes, I'm calling you out right now because there is this huge section of your children's lives that is social media. Do I check my daughters on a regular basis? No. Do I check in and see what's going on periodically? Absolutely. Am I having conversations? I'm connecting with her friends. I know her friends' parents. I'm super involved. Are you exposing alcohol re regularly? Is it something that you're, you're hearing this and you're really feeling very uncomfortable right now because you were like me? You're wrapped up in it and you're drinking all the time and your kids are seeing it and you're getting drunk in front of them and they're being exposed to, you know, whether you're being silly or angry, it's not the point. It's like the exposure, is it happening? And if it is, what am I going to tell you? We do not shame. We're not going to guilt ourselves and shame ourselves. We're just going to realize, hey, I'm on this journey just maybe think about it. Think about how it's affecting your children. What are they seeing? What are they saying? Have they commented to you? Have they asked you, why do you drink so much? Have they asked you to quit? Have they said, don't drink tonight? Or if you tell them, you see the body language or the eye roll. This is just a time to evaluate. So I hope this has helped. I hope that you can just hear a little bit of my story, whether it relates to you or not. Now your eyes hopefully are a little more open because that's what we're here for. We're here to bring to light some things you maybe haven't even thought of before. Shine that light on it and make some change. I will talk to y'all soon. Until next time, stay blessed. Okay, girlfriend, before you go, if you found value in this podcast and it helped you, please head over to iTunes and leave a review. Every so often, I will read reviews and give shout-outs. To dig deeper, join us at Set Free Sisterhood over on Facebook. I will pop the link in the show notes. And don't forget, if you know someone that would enjoy or benefit from this podcast, share it with them and take a screenshot and post it in your Instagram stories and tag me. It's time to take back our power, ladies, and be set free. Until next time, stay blessed. Michelle.